Hey everybody, this is West Virginia Overtime with Sam, and I am sorry if my voice starts crackling. I have been a little bit sick, but I wanted to get some episodes out and really touch base with you guys. Um, I wanted to apologize just again for our WWE uh, review being a little bit late, so I definitely wanted to make sure we got our AEW uh review for uh, October 23rd, 2019 out as soon as possible. Uh, It was in Pittsburgh tonight, and it is, for me, I was wanting an extremely exciting show because they're going to be in Charleston, West Virginia next week, and I really wanted this show to set up that show. We already knew that the tag team championships were going to be uh, decided next week in Charleston. So I was really, really happy when tonight's show opened up with both of them. Um, When it started, it did not start with any entrances. It didn't start with any pyro. They literally opened the show with both teams already in the ring, ready to go. And it was Private Party versus the Lucha Brothers. I felt that the opening started out a little bit shaky. Um, I thought there were a couple botches in the first couple movesets. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a good match or not. Because I just... I didn't think that they were on the same page. I don't know a whole lot uh, about Private Party. Having seen the Street Profits from WWE the other night, I thought, is this kind of a same team as as the Street Profits? And they definitely aren't. They're they're better than the Street Profits. Uh, Look like they've got a lot more experience and a lot more uh, movesets. I am already big fans of the Lucha brothers um haven't seen them a lot i've saw matches here and there like uh in the ring of honor and uh new japan and stuff but haven't really seen the lucha brothers and not a, a, a lot now i have read about them read about uh phoenix and pentagon and how great they were but um was really looking forward to to seeing them enjoyed them coming out and um kind of tackling and and hurting uh, SCU last week. That kind of got me excited. So after the tags were made in this match, it seemed like uh, private parties started working together more on their team moves. Um, They seemed to kind of gel as, as a team, and they seemed like they were getting up. So... That automatically, to me, means when you're, you know, going on a formula that the Lucha Brothers are going to win, that they're letting Private Party get over a little bit, and then the Lucha Brothers are just going to come back and tear them up, and that's that's kind of basically what happened. Uh, the Lucha Brothers pulled off some very unbelievable moves. I'm not a big tag team um, wrestling fan. I told you that last week. But I'll tell you what, um, the Lucha Brothers have really won me over. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about seeing them in person next week. Uh, I feel like that 
the tag team division is really strong in AEW, and I know that that's one of the reasons why they're highlighting it, but um, they haven't completely won me over. So I was a little disappointed that last week was tag team heavy, and then again this week I felt was really tag team heavy, and just, um, I kind of... I'm I'm wanting to see more storylines with single wrestlers or factions, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but they announced that Christopher Daniel, I mentioned earlier, that the Lucha Brothers attacked SCU last week as they were coming out. They um, hit uh, Christopher Daniels pretty good last week, and uh, Scorpio Sky had to take over for him in, in the match, and they announced that Christopher Daniels has a pinched nerve, and that he's going to be out six to eight weeks. I was really hoping to see him in Charleston. I love the fact that he has the half microphone like Frederick Mercury, and uh, how he dresses up in his uniform, and so I was really wanting to see a promo by him in Charleston, and um disappointed that he's going to be out six to eight weeks. I hate that for him. Uh, with him being an older wrestler, I hope that it is uh, not real. And if it is real, then it, that it's, you know, nothing serious. Um, I love SCU. And I think one of the things that really got me liking them in Ring and Bonner was how they talk, uh, their promos, um, their cockiness, um, how they always say no matter where they are that it's the worst town they've ever been to. Can't wait for them to say that about Charleston next week. I hope they let them talk. Um, they didn't do that this week. And so they kind of came out and the announcers were making a big deal about how they were being serious and they were focused and, and all of that. And, you know, if you're really concentrating on sports, then that's all great. But that's not really what I'll watch wrestling for. I really like the story. Lines, so I wanted to see SEU do a promo, and I really hope that they do one next week. I knew absolutely nothing about the Dark Order. I'm so glad that the, the announcers explained that they kind of disappeared for six years because I had never heard of them. I had not even heard of them as a single, singles wrestlers or even in another tag team or anything like that. So I... I couldn't root for the Dark Order. I couldn't get into this match. Um, I know that they come out with their little minions or the creepy crawlers or whatever you want to call them. But I don't know why. I don't know the backstory on it. So it's really hard for me to get into the Dark Order. I was... Uh, not shocked, but I guess pleasantly surprised that the inner circle with um, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Santana and Ortiz came with their tickets, walked through the crowd, uh, went up to their suite, and that we got to see them react during this match because that's kind of what kept me from fast forwarding it because I was not at all into the Dark Order and really wanted SCU to win but wasn't into it enough where I was rooting or, you know, marking out for anybody. So I did watch the match. SCU got a big win and I wanted to see what the inner circle was going to do.
Now, I had watched um, AEW Dark. It is on YouTube on Tuesday nights. They show the dark matches that are held before and after the TV tapings. And was really shocked uh, watching AEW Dark that Joey Janela and Kenny Omega were in a dark match and it was an unsanctioned, no holds barred basically match. It was really, really good. And so when they came out tonight and we're going to do a regular match, I was. Uh, really surprised and and I was looking forward to this um I have been really impressed with Joey Janela in a lot of matches I totally enjoyed his match with John Moxley at Fighter Fest um I think that he is very inventive. Um, his move said he doesn't seem to be afraid to do any move, whether it be a power move on the mat or jumping off the rings or posts or or uh, barricades or anything like that. I, I talked earlier last week about how I am not impressed with Kenny Omega. I have heard about him for probably two or three years, how he is the greatest wrestler ever. And I am just not impressed with him. I don't know if it's how he carries himself. I feel like he is uh, too laid back for me. He reminds me of a surfer dude that could care less. And in this match, this was kind of um, a down match. After the two tag semifinal matches you know, to decide who was going to go for the championship. I just really felt that the energy was really down in this match. I I wasn't, uh, you know, happy with Joey Janela. I just, I was expecting more energy, more excitement from him. And I, I don't know, I just didn't get into this match. I love the live look-ins, how they're kind of creating storylines um, about the inner circle, and you were watching um, Chris Jericho react, and Sammy Guevara interplaying and interacting with Jericho. Uh, I like that. I love that the announcers are telling stories, and that they're giving you the backstory of these wrestlers that you don't know. Uh, they were really putting Joey Janela over and and talking about him a lot. And I I feel like these announcers, since they added Tony Savani, have really gelled. And I I knew Jr. was going to give us the backstories, but Shivani is really helping him. Uh, help us get to know these wrestlers and they're they're the ones kind of creating the storylines they're letting the the storylines play out in the ring but they're letting the announcers kind of paint paint the picture um you know omega went over in this one as far as went in and with the one-armed angel but like i said i just i really wasn't into this they came back from commercial, and I was pretty excited about 
Cody's entrance. I love his new entrance. I love that the lights go off and that he comes up out through the stage and that he was going to be interviewed uh, by Tony. Um, he was going to make an announcement and he was also, I think, going to pump the match with Chris Jericho. I absolutely loved that Chris Jericho uh, was up and the inner circle was uh, doing the horns, the air horns, and that they gave Jericho a micro microphone. Um, enjoyed Cody's um, I'm going to come get you attitude that I'm going to uh, take care of this. And uh, Jericho just being his normal cocky self and saying, come on, it'll be four against one. We'll have some fun. Let's go. And so when Cody stopped, I was like, now, Cody, you've got to go up there. You're going to look like a coward. So was pretty excited when um, Dustin's music hit and he came out. I was worried that um, Dustin was going to take a back seat in AEW, that he really what they were going to place him in semi-retirement and they really haven't they have let him be out front and center with cody and so i was pretty excited to see him i love mjf mjf darby allen and john moxley are my favorite wrestlers of this particular company so to see mgaf come out i i was popping big um i think he is going to be the next it wrestler for the next 20 years he's got that it factor and uh, was was super excited that he came out I am not a fan of DDP. Um, I didn't really pay attention to him when he was a wrestler. And then him um, getting hurt and having some issues and, and having to take care of those. And then him creating DDP yoga and basically selling that on every podcast that is around. I am sick of DDP. So uh, I was not one of the fans that was marking out when DDP came out. Um, I didn't see him do anything. Uh, if you did, if you saw him fighting with anybody or you saw him actually do something, then uh, hit me up. Uh, you can write me at wvovertime at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at overtimewv. I don't think DDP really did anything. I think he was just there to say he was there. But um, loved it when the four of them went up after the inner circle. Of course, the inner circle, uh, they locked the door. And, you know, that makes sense as far as they just weren't going to play with them. Loved it. Absolutely loved it that Cody broke the glass and got in, um, that they fought in the concourse. Loved that, you know, Cody was hitting Jericho at the Dippin' Dots stand. 
really, really got into it when MJF and Sammy Guevara were kind of doing their standoff and, and fighting and everything. I think with, you know, MJF being 23 and Sammy Guevara being 26, I think that's going to be a big rivalry and that it can really uh, be used for the next decade or, or two to really make these two going to be legends. So was really excited about that. Um, wasn't really understanding until the announcers explain Chris Jericho has tickets. Um, you know, he, he has the right to be there. Whereas the other four, you can't go out and assault a fan. So that's the reason why, uh, Cody and his crew were being detained by the police. And they later said that they were being detained there at pit. Um, I really didn't understand that. I, I, I guess they didn't want to go so far as to say that they had been arrested and taken to the police station or whatever looking forward to some kind of announcement or or something like that to come out tomorrow or or early this morning and tell us uh what exactly is happening with Cody and and with Jericho and, and what is going on. We've got uh, three more matches and then we're going to talk a little bit about the dark matches. But let's take a break real quick. Let me get something to drink so that my uh, throat won't give out on me and I'll be right back. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's what I'm using to make this podcast. I use it not only because it's free... But because it's easy, I can record and broadcast anything and everything right from my phone, or I can use a computer. It allows me to edit things, and it has everything I need just in one place. And not only that, you can make money from your podcasts. But what you have to do is you've got to go download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm just to get started. And then send me a link. I want to hear your podcast. Hey, this is Sam and I'm back. Um, Just, we're going to go over the last three matches uh, fairly quickly. Um, The first two didn't didn't really, um, they kind of disappointed me, so we'll go through this quick, but I wanted to take a minute here and remind you guys that you guys can contact us if you're listening to this on Anchor, or if you'll get on Anchor and look up WV Overtime's podcast, you'll see where you can leave us a voicemail message about anything that, that we're talking about, and we'll play that on air and talk about it, or if you've got a question or anything, feel free to leave us a voicemail message you can also reach us on wv overtime on instagram on facebook um our twitter twitter handle is at overtime wv and you can always write us on email uh wv overtime at gmail.com uh we are very responsive want to remind you guys that we're still into middle school and high school sports you're going to get an update on that uh right after this actually if you're listening to this and you want to hear about west virginia sports um we are going to be doing a podcast on that right after this 
this. So if you've got any sports scores, um, picture stats, updates, anything that you want us to talk about as far as West Virginia sports, please hit us up. So let's kind of get back into AEW, and we got another tag team wrestling match, and, you know, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I don't want this. I don't. I don't want to see three tag team matches. I, I really don't. I don't want to see this much. I know that the young bucks are superstars. I still don't want to see them. You know, we've already had some, and they were exciting. And I don't want to see this garbage. But you know, the announcers explained that this was kind of you know the runner up match. Um, I don't like the best friends. I don't get them. I don't understand their storyline. I hate them hugging in the ring. That gets on my nerves. I want somebody to clothesline them while they're doing that. And so I just couldn't get into the best friends. The coolest thing about the best friends is that every once in a while, Orange Cassidy shows up with them. And he did tonight. And I love Orange Cassidy. I like how he kind of acts like a slug and that he um, does the little kicks that I can do, and that if you knock off his sunglasses, that he really just hits it. And uh, so I was really looking forward to someone knocking off his sunglasses tonight, and of course it didn't happen. He was uh, outside the ring, and the Young Bucks come in, and... Uh, the Young Bucks did, you know, all their movesets that they normally do. Uh, again, I talked about this last week. I kind of find them the same way that I find Kenny Omega. I don't like them. I don't like how they carry themselves. I don't like their attitudes. Um, yes, they're excellent wrestlers. I will give them technique props all day long. Uh, but as far as me getting into them... I, I just can't do it, and I'm very glad that they are not in the tag team championships. Um, I, I, I really didn't want to see them, but I understand that they're stars and that they're really, really good, and so after they won against the best friends, you know, they get on the mic and they accept the challenge that Santana and Ortiz made last week uh, to take each other on at full gear, the pay-per-view um, on November 6th, and I was, I'm kind of confused, I feel like uh, the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz is the huge match, and I feel like that's really over, going to be overshadowing no matter who wins um, the tag team championships next week. I feel like that is a match of the year match, um, and so even if the Lucha Brothers or SCU put on the, the best match ever next week and take the championships, I really feel like this Santana, Ortiz, Young Bucks match is is just going to overshadow that and get the fans to think that that is actually the championship match because that's two great teams. And so 
I'm really confused about them doing that and making that creative decision. Not sure where they're going with that. I enjoyed the vignette that they did right after with Britt Baker and Pittsburgh being her hometown. And I, I kind of thought that that's what you know, what they were going to do, that they were just going to give her a vignette, maybe she was going to come out and, and be with the crowd, I had no idea that she was going to wrestle, um, I really wasn't impressed with, uh, Jamie Hayter, I didn't know her, I didn't know that she was B Priestley's tag team partner, after they said that, it made a little bit more sense why Brett Baker was taking her on, but just really didn't feel like this was, you know, a second to last um, match of the night match. I understand it was her hometown, and they wanted to show her off, but um, just... I didn't think it was that great of a match. Uh, didn't really keep me interested. However, you know, when they were interviewing uh, Jamie Hayter in the back and Brandy Rhodes attacked her, um, that really got my interest up. I was I was kind of wondering, no, wait a minute, why is Brandy Rhodes attacking her? I know Brandy Rhodes is trying to get into wrestling and has really been practicing and, and learning, you know, her moves and really wanting to come on strong. Um, so for her to come out of the blue and attack her and kind of start a new storyline, I am interested in that. So I'm, uh, you know, kind of excited that, that that happened was really pumped for the main event uh john moxley and pack um really was looking forward to this match they are two great performers i liked them both in wwe um really have been impressed with pack since he has less uh left the wwe his moveset has expanded so much and he has totally changed his character as far as getting meaner as far as you know playing the bad guy I really um, am enjoying him and his character progression. However, was um, a little confused because I understand that the crowd really gets into Moxley, but feel that Moxley's character is really unhinged, um, is really, you know, breaking out of this prison and becoming who he truly is and I feel like he's a heel also so for you know this heel versus heel match to happen was a little who do you root for who are you gonna watch now I understand that Moxie Moxley with his popularity is almost like Jericho or almost like MJF where they are heels the audience knows their heels however they can't help but cheer them and so you you are hearing a lot of the fans go crazy for Moxley so was kind of looking forward to this so you know Moxley's music hits he comes out and out of the blue Pac just does not wait and nails him with a chair um 
was a little shocked that AEW let that happen after, you know, Sean Spears hit Cody wrong with the gimmick chair and busted him open. I really wasn't sure that Tony Khan was going to let something like that happen again. Um, he was real concerned about blood happening again on TV. So I don't know whether they had to practice this or, you know, Pac had to give his word to Tony Khan or something. So for him to hit Moxley from behind with a chair, that, that did shock me a little bit. And then thought it was really cool that he kind of pulled Moxley's jacket up and started choking him with it. And... I was a little nervous. I was checking my time because I was thinking, you know, is this even, is the bell going to ring? Are we even going to have a match? And when I saw Moxley get up, I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to have a match. And, you know, there, there was a good 20 minutes left. So I thought we're going to have a pretty good match. And of course you hear the bell ring and I, I was real interested i love jr i um hate it that he has bell's palsy and that sometimes when he gets real excited you have a hard time understanding him but i think he is the ultimate announcer because you see pike um throw moxley on the floor and do uh, a 480 on him and JR immediately um, starts talking about how the referee needs to get out there. The referee needs to check Moxley, needs to make sure he can t continue to go, make sure, look at his eyes. And JR starts describing like how the safety of the athlete really needs to be the most important thing. And Moxley was doing an excellent job of selling while JR's explaining this. And I think that's what makes AEW is the fact that they're letting JR tell this story and bring up this topic that has been in sports for, you know, the last year, year or two about concussions, about CTE and about safety of the athlete. And, and then there's Moxley and he sells so well that it is really intriguing to me and I got into this um then Moxley gets back in I enjoy his pyre game um he really didn't get to show that off enough I don't think in the WWE but he has a strong pyre game on the mat doing different move sets you can see how much quicker and faster he is um that he's gotten in shape and that he is doing a different exercise program um his uh lariats uh i believe it's what excalibur was calling them tonight but basically his clotheslines um his arm uppercuts uh, the European uppercuts, I believe is what they're called, uh, that Cesaro does a lot of tonight were really strong. So I enjoyed Moxley's power game, but I also like him flying around and, and being dangerous and doing the suicide dives and, and jumping off things. So I, I really enjoyed the comeback that Moxley had, um, 
I like how AEW has the time limits now, and that they were counting down, and you really, I thought that um, Moxley on the first cover, I thought he was going to win it with, I guess it was uh, five seconds left, five, I think is what they were counting down to, was five. And then you saw him cover him again, and you just knew he was going to run out of time. And, and it was a time limit draw, and I was not thinking uh, it happened so fast. But had I had, you know, a, time, uh, a second or two to process it, I would have figured out that John Moxley was going to go crazy. So when he did, I mean, that fit his character so well. Um, I absolutely love that he immediately turned to the referee, you know, did the double hook DDT on him and and just slammed that referee and was like, I, you know, hate this. I believe that I got the count. I can't believe it was time limit draw. And boom, they go off the air. They time that perfectly and kind of left you hanging. And so I'm real excited about Charleston next week. Um, it is said, I, I just checked the website before I did this. Uh, you know, you're going to see SEU go against the Lucha Brothers for the Tag Team Championships. Chris Jericho and John Moxley are still scheduled to both be in action. Um, I can't see them taking on each other, but we're going to get matches from Chris Jericho and John Moxley. I am hoping beyond hope that we somehow get to see Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and MJF and Cody because I, I just those four I love. I I just I think they're absolutely awesome. Um, saw on a message board um, in Baltimore that after the last dark match, after the TV went off, it was approximately about 10.35 when they finished up in Baltimore, that for the fans that stayed, um, a lot of fans left during the dark match and a lot of fans left immediately after the dark match. But uh, this guy wrote on one of the bulletin boards that about 10 minutes after the dark match was over, Cody came out and personally thanked everyone that was left. He shook their hands. He took pictures. He was really appreciative, number one, that they stuck around, and number two, that they were supporting AEW. So I plan on staying for a little bit. Um, after the last dark match, I I really want to see if any of the athletes come out and, and they do that in Charleston, especially with... Charleston not getting a big-time TV show coming in 19 years. So, uh, pretty excited about that. Uh, the dark matches that they did tonight that are going to be on AEW Dark next Tuesday are um, Dustin came out with Sonny Kiss, and they did a tag team against Peter Avalon, which is the librarian, and Michael QT Marshall, and um, 
from what was said, it, it was okay, but the crowd went wild uh, about the librarian and started chanting that he sucks. And so I'm wondering what they're going to do about the, the librarian. But they said the dark match that brought down the house was Jimmy Havoc versus Jack Evans versus Darby Allen. And I'm telling you, I've seen Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc twice now. And they put on unbelievable matches together. They've got some kind of chemistry together. And so um, I'm looking to looking forward to AEW Dark. So uh, like I said earlier, hit us up with any questions, comments, problems, protests that you have. And let's talk about them. Uh, but that's your AEW review for, for tonight. And I don't have too many predictions about what's going to happen next week in Charleston other than I am extremely excited and I hope to see all of you there. Thank you and have a good night.